The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. The best two lawyers in the state of Georgia, maybe in the United States of America, sit with me on this episode of Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. And I always like to introduce you to them. That way, if you need expert legal advice, you know where to get it. Bruce, how do folks get a hold of you? Easy enough to find me. And uh, thank you, by the way, for that compliment. And yeah, of course, uh, not going to try to talk you out of it, but um, <laughs> find me, Bruce, at Hagen Law.com. That's H A G E N Law.com. You can call me anytime, 404 202 2233. I haven't been in practice quite as long as Ray. It's only been 36 years for me. I've had a great opportunity to catch up with some of the lawyers from the very first firm I started at. They had their 50th anniversary of their founding at the old Capital City Club downtown had some saltines with butter on them. You forget how good those things <laughs> so are. So tasty. Answer any questions if anybody has any, anytime. And Ray? Thanks. Also, thank you for the compliment. Of course. Uh, all compliments. True statements. Happily accepted. 404-964-4185. That's my cell number. And uh, spent two days with the great folks from 680 at the 680 Golf Tournament last Thursday and Friday for Children's Hospital. I know they raised, the, as always, a boatload, boatload of, of money. Wonderful people out there. Had so many guys come up to me and introduce themselves and say, hey, you know, I love listening to you guys with Tug on Saturday and Sunday and Ray's spot on Friday morning with the uh, locker room guys so i appreciate all that and if you need me 404-964-4185 even if it's not about a pending case but you've got some questions uh, you don't want to make a mistake you've got some options let me at least if i can't do it i'll send you to bruce or i'll yeah. send you to uh, right. you know we've got a mutual friend his name is tom holder one of the finest workers compensation lawyers in not only in the state but in the whole world and uh, both bruce <laughs> and i if we get a workers comp case he's our one of our go-to guys i want to start with a uh, story about geico and the insurance company has been ordered to pay a Missouri woman $5.2 million after she contracted an STD in a car. Sounds like an unusual case. Bruce, thoughts, opinions? This is one of those where the headline is so outrageous um, that it's fodder for the folks who think that we have a runaway tort system mm-hmm. uh, and that, you know, we need tort reform because, look, some some lady gets an STD having sex in a car. Now the insurance company has to pay for it. And so, you know, I just encourage folks, read a little bit past the headline. You know, that's probably good advice for most things that you see today. Folks put outrageous uh, things in headlines just to get your attention. Right. This one that's certainly exactly did right. get people's attention. But here it is is odd in the sense that the reason that this person was trying to bring in the insurance coverage is because that the harm, which in this case was contracting the HPV virus, a sexually transmitted disease, arose um, from the use of a car. How the car was being used? Well, it wasn't being used to transport anybody physically, maybe Hmm. transport them spiritually or (laughs) mentally to a higher plane, but they were having sex in the car and she traces back and is able apparently to string together uh, the causation of her disease going back to this sexual encounter with the person 
in their car, which was insured by Geico. Now, Geico, and this is where you got to look past the headline, Geico just ignored this, right? And they just said, we don't have a duty even to respond to this. This mm -hmm. is nonsense. And so they ignored it. They didn't try to defend the car owner, which is an obligation they have under their policy. And so the injured person with the disease goes forward, gets a judgment, and now through the appellate process and an arbitration process that they have in Missouri is found that, yes, Geico, you know, you're on the hook for this judgment. You could have defended yourself. You could have taken the proper steps to say that our policy does not provide coverage for this sort of thing. But by just ignoring it, now you're on the hook for her damages, which have been assessed at $5.2 million. And because you waived the right to defend yourself, you're now in this situation. It's not because you couldn't raise these probably very legitimate defenses that, you know, this, this is not what car insurance is intended for. Mm -hmm. But by, by not doing that, um, you're now on the hook for it. Yeah, and I think what Bruce is, is talking about is that this judgment or settlement really, I don't think, has precedential value. In other words, I don't think everybody needs to be worried out there that if they have an amorous uh, encounter with somebody in, in their vehicle, that this is what it's going to lead to. Uh, what essentially what Geico, and if I understand, we're reading between the lines here as lawyers, uh, what normally happens if you make a claim against your insurance and your insurance company says, no, that's not what you're covered for, they will still act in your defense and they file what's called a reservation of rights. Is that correct, Bruce? Right yes, terminology. That's exactly right. And what they're saying is, okay, we're going to give you some legal counsel, we're going to investigate claim, but we're going to reserve our right not to provide financial coverage if we feel this is outside the scope of our policy agreement. I would venture to say that when Geico offered this individual, this gentleman, an insurance policy for his vehicle, nowhere was it anticipated that he he was he didn't think either he was buying coverage for that. He assumed he was buying coverage in case he rear-ended another vehicle, ran off the road and hit a pole, etc., damage to the vehicles or an accident. But what Geico failed to do is either, number one, file the reservation of rights or take their insured's claim seriously put a team of lawyers and investigators on it, and defend the case. Well, they wound up with what I believe to be called a default judgment, which means you didn't show up for the game and the other team gets to win by default. And then they tried to weasel out of it. And the, uh, I think it's the state of Missouri Supreme Court, as Bruce just says, you know, you guys might have been right, but you should have acted in good faith on behalf of your insured early on, taking the claim seriously, and defended him. Right. And this number of $5.2 million didn't come out of the blue, and it didn't come from what people want to think is a runaway jury system, which I would say doesn't really exist, by the way, but is the subject of fabrication and myth. Um, this came from arbitrators. Arbitrators are professionals who work in this field. Right? They're not just randomly chosen people. So, you know, this was a number determined by an arbitrator, confirmed by a Missouri appellate court. I, I think it's remarkable, to tell you the truth, that some lawyer answered the phone or, or an email from this potential client who said, I developed an STD from having sex with somebody uh, in their car and I want to go after the car insurance company mm. and thought that, yeah, we could do that. We, we could do that and make that win because, you know, I have to say uh, my, my instinct, if somebody called my office with something like that would be like, Lady, you don't have a case. Until right? yesterday it was. Yeah, Now it's opened up my eyes to a whole new thing. But you, you know, think the, of the, the billboard campaign. What, what's happening is this this is 
this story now is getting legs from the chambers of commerce and the tort reform people who are out there who want to restrict people's rights and access to justice because it's it's so seemingly outrageous on its face that they use this the same way they use the story of Stella Lieback getting burned by coffee at McDonald's as a false example, what do you call it, a false flag Mm -hmm. for the need to have restrictions on people's rights to have access to justice. And and so these these groups that are absolutely um, committed to preventing people from seeking redress if they've been harmed by someone else's negligence, um, they, they take a story like this and just run with it. And how do I know that? Because I see where this story keeps showing up. And I know from my family members and friends who have made me aware of this story as they get it. Um, and I know where they get their news from, and I know what their political leaning is, that that's where this thing is being echoed. And and it's not just happening organically. It's a very tactically placed story to try to get people amped up so that, you know, someone will come forward and say, hey, we need to restrict people's access to justice. Look at this case of a lady who got five and a half million dollars from getting an STD in the back of her car. And just a couple of procedural things. This matter did not go in front of a jury. It went to an arbitrator. And in prior shows, we've talked about the difference between mm-hmm. arbitration and mediation. Mediation more of a, a an agreeable settlement conference that nobody's bound by. But in an arbitration, that arbitrator, through agreement of both sides, sides say, yeah, this expert or panel of three, which in many cases is done, uh, two votes wins, uh, we agree to be bound legally. So the Missouri Supreme Court said, again, you folks entered into this voluntarily. You didn't defend yourself. Don't come, don't come crying to us just because Mike Tyson punched you in the mouth because you had your hands at your sides. You know, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, you know, yeah. what do you expect him to do? Yeah. He's going to punch you in the mouth. Sure. I mean, Bruce Hagen wants to take Geico's money. Now, uh, the folks that really should be riled up are, are Geico's shareholders and board of trustees and management to say, how can this nonsense happen? And now think about the bad PR that comes out of this. I mean, no, no, there's no, who's Geico got? Is that the, uh, the gorillas or the, the, <laughs> the Geico? They the gecko. Yeah, the gecko. The cavemen. The yeah. I can't even remember. They have great ads. Who's the woman in the white jumpsuit? Yeah, that's she's progressive. That's Flo. Yeah, Flo. Okay. Well, Generally anyway. speaking, I tell people when they ask me <laughs> from whom should they get insurance, it's like, if you can remember their ads, you don't want their insurance. Yeah, yeah, right. That's, that's a great point. That's a, that means they've spent a lot of money in marketing versus and, and have a lot of money to spend. Well, right. just on that note, I mean, 30-something years ago, uh, when Bruce and I initially practiced, there were so many more insurance carriers in the state of Georgia. Companies that most folks out there may have never heard about, Amica, Arabella, USF&G, American Express wrote automobile policies, uh, Motors from General mm-hmm. Motors. They have been squeezed out of the market by the big four, big five, Allstate, State Farm, Progressive, Geico, maybe Liberty Mutual, that probably write, what, 80 or 85 percent of the policies out there. So there's actually no real competition. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. really no competition. Which is uh, which is never a good thing. Competition always making everything better. So uh, just in the in, in just to summarize this, does this change the way insurance companies function well, I mean, you'll probably see, well, you won't see because nobody actually reads the policy. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I suspect that they'll put language in their policies now, specifically excluding these sorts of uh, alleged claims from mm-hmm. being covered. Yeah. And, and maybe even they'll come up with a product that if you want us to cover you for, you know, sexually transmitted diseases while you're in your car or anything else, we'll cover you, you for that. You just pay more, yeah. you know. And there we you. always talk about the, the law of foreseeability. 
it certainly wasn't foreseeable to Geico when they structured this insurance policy that this type of a claim was ever going to be made. So, but but you know what? They'll just add another two lines. Some law firm will charge them a whole bunch of money to write that really carefully. There'll be a box where you have to put your initials in. And <laughs> and Bruce, if you're going to get these claims, right. get them soon, buddy. Yes. I say. So if you're listening and you have. Um, <laughs> You've contracted a sexually transmitted disease while in a car that's insured by a company such as Geico. Please give me a call. I Happy see to half talk the sales staff out here <laughs> raising, their raising their hand out there, flagging us down. When we come back on Extra 106.3, what's going to happen to Todd and Julie Chrisley, as well as Deshaun Watson, who reiterates the fact that he is um, re- regrets the lawsuits that have happened, but uh, what is going to be the impact on him moving forward next on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. We're going to start segment two with the Chrisleys. Chris Chrisley, he and his wife have been convicted of tax evasion and fraud. They say, of course, quote, the family is devastated by the verdict. Any future planning on their life is pretty much on hold until they learn the uh, sentencing. How do y'all expect this to play out? Because, I mean, $30 million in fraud. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, I was a big fan of this show early on. Were you? Uh, My wife and I watched it a good bit. It was just so ridiculous. And then, you know, he just, the ridiculous part was, uh, you know, he he has that affect uh, Mm -hmm. uh, of sort of, you know, the Southerner who's over the top feminine Mm -hmm. and living a a married life Mm -hmm. with children and yet he's so over the top feminine in fact one of the things that turned on him here is that ultimately the evidence against them came from a guy who they had as a financial manager for some of their companies a guy last name braddock Uh, but apparently he and todd had been lovers when that ended and braddock got fired the scorned lover went and spoke to the feds and gave them all the dirt that they needed on financial fraud lying to banks in Mm -hmm. order to get loans tax evasion really against both of them they were separately charged they were separately represented they were separately tried 
this guy Braddock, they attempted to villainize him as somebody who was just vindictively trying to take down the Chrisleys, but obviously the evidence was strong enough that the jury went for it. 12 counts of tax evasion, bank and wire fraud, and conspiracy in 2019. Is that normal for a husband and wife like that to be represented separately? I wouldn't expect that. No, you'd see that. That's common. I mean, here's the problem. If I'm that lawyer, so they come to me, the husband and wife, what if the wife really, really, really didn't know? Or in an effort to save her family, which does happen, folks, she rolls over and says, you know, I saw all this. I told him it was wrong. Can I have uh, mercy? I'll, I'll testify against him because I'm going to divorce the SOB anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's not uncommon. Ethically, a judge would probably not let this trial go forward without separate counsel. It's just, a, it's just a conflict that may not happen, but it may happen it throughout the trial. I mean, somebody's got to cross-examine each party if they take the stand. It's hard to represent her and then cross him or even put him up as a direct witness. So these are complicated problems. And again, going back to things I've discussed, when you get indicted by the United States of America, uh, the federal government, they have so many resources. And you think that four years ago or eight years ago, you did a closing on a house with a fraudulent document, or you got a PPP loan from the government during COVID, they're going to get you. It's only a question of time. And they've got all the resources to get every document and every witness will, will testify. So when they come, they come loaded for bear and they do their job. The feds do their job. And think about it. People who are applying for bank loans, banks don't lend money to folks who don't have money, right? They want to lend money to folks who have money. So on your bank loan application, you pump up those finances as much as you can pump them up and should be done legally, should be supported by actual assets, right? But people will pump up whatever they've got for these banks. And supposedly the banks that they were going to were the smaller banks where they felt that it was more relationship driven, less data driven so that they're doing less due diligence than some of the larger banks. Maybe right? the celebrity would influence. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you know, it's funny because I mentioned like we used to watch the show and I would constantly ask my wife, it's like, where do these people get their money? Like, what does this guy actually do? I remember even researching it. It's like, there doesn't seem to be anything underneath all this. They live this lavish lifestyle well, that I seems say, to be funded by nothing other than leading a lavish lifestyle. On a personal point, they actually had a condo in the condo building near Phipps that I lived in for many years. This is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're living the lavish and, lifestyle that Ray Judy And I will say this much, the young man, the son, and his name I cannot remember, Uh, was absolutely the most polite young man he was he was and his roommate who played soccer for the uh, Gwinnett Silverbacks or whatever the soccer team is they were nice kids and the family would come on Sundays and they'd make a big thing in the lobby of our building and it was interesting to watch how they came and went because it was three escalades would pull up in front of the condo building and this whole extended family would tumble into the lobby of our building and with 150 Louis Vuitton pieces of luggage it's it was, funny Ray because knowing you I would have thought you were more interested in the daughter uh, than the son because she's a looker she is a um, very, Savannah's but, her name, Chase so is his Chase, name, she's right. the older side. And there are other kids uh, in the family too, and then there's uh, Nanny Faye. Well, Nanny Faye used to watch me on a Nancy Grace show, so she was a big yeah. fan of mine. Sure, why, why right wouldn't around. she be? Why not? Exactly. But, but I just want to but, point out, he was a very nice young, and, sure. and they never, in our bill, I mean, this was a couple of years, there was never anything wrong, there's never anything inappropriate, so I just want to say that. Sure. It's got nothing to do with criminal behavior in the federal court. Right. What I was getting at with <laughs> the bank documents is that when applying for loans, 
people appear in mm-hmm. one way to have all, you know, assets galore, mm-hmm. and yet then they've come to file taxes and they appear broke, yeah. right? And so this is where you get convicted on the evidence that you've provided because it can't be both things at the same time. And again, the feds use their, their muscle and their ingenuity to make, is it Mr. Braddock, this chief assistant slash boyfriend, to roll over. Right. They gave him immunity or qualified immunity, and he took the witness stand, and a fantastic Atlanta lawyer known throughout the state, Bruce Morris, I know he did everything he could for his clients, but that's tough when you're going against the feds and they whip out all, and they've got, you know, the actuarial accountants who work for the FBI and the, you know, the bankers that say, yeah, you know, this is the documents they gave us. They said they had a, it was secured by a house in St. Simons that had $4,000, million in equity and all of it apparently, according to this jury, was a sham. Now what'll happen, Tug, is they've been convicted and now the feds through the probation department, they're not on probation, but that's who does it, does what's called a pre-sentence investigation. And I will tell you my personal experience, those are really thorough and well done. And if the pre-sentence investigators find the same kind of lack of appropriate behavior financially. It's not that they're going to have another trial, but essentially they're going to tell the judge and the U.S. attorney, hey, these people can't be trusted on probation or parole. They commit fraud, financial fraud. They're maybe and are a, still doing yeah, it. Or yeah. maybe, and, uh, are exactly right. That's their M.O. They might be a flight risk. They may have a place out of the country. So then they'll be sentencing. And in federal financial crimes for sentencing, it's almost by the pound. The more you steal, the more months, and when I say months, it's measured like 270 months mm-hmm. that you're going to get. I'm just picking a number out, sure, out sure, of the sure. air. But you're looking at, they are probably looking at a recommendation from pretrial or the USA of something in the area of 8 to 12 years to serve plus restitution and zillions of dollars in fines. Probably no one will ever see any of that money. Yeah, the maximum sentence, I think, is 30 years each. Yeah. And so it's unlikely that they would get that. There's no history here. There's no other criminal behavior on their part. But, you know, these were some serious charges. And and who knows what they had been offered. I mean, certainly their approach had been to just deny everything and take the approach that, look, this is a scorned former employee who was given immunity because he did wrong. And the state, the government is hitching their wagon to this guy who is a cheat and who cheated them. And, and so presented them with documents, which they signed. You know, this is where the innocent spouse thing comes in. I mean, clearly they signed it. No one's saying that they didn't apply for the loans. They didn't do these things. But they're saying that they had been misrepresented to by this guy who'd been given immunity. And who needs immunity unless you've done something wrong? Right, and right, and right. so it's a defense that, you know, you have to make. And really it was overcome either by testimony, the documents themselves, or the combination of the two. Yeah, and this is what they call a Ponzi scheme. It's a shell game. They get one asset that they've heavily leveraged or leaned on as far as borrowing. They make it appear that they are owners and have equity of that asset to borrow more money, to which they then go to the next lender and say, yeah, I've got $5 million in cash sitting in the bank. Well, really not because you're paying 12% interest on it. So that's how these things go. It's fraud. It's been happening since Eve tempted Adam with the apple, all right? You know, it was, it was, the whole thing was a fraud, Adam, you dummy. Uh, I think they're going to get some real prison time. And do they have any right or any ability to sue the person that rolled over on them because that person did wrong too? I mean, is there is there any legal opportunities well, there? You know, I don't know what the basis for that I mean, would I don't be, know. Right? It's I mean, a total it, guess. It's, I mean, it's but just, there might be a yeah. different approach. If a, there's a victim who may be out X amount of million dollars, mm-hmm. The Chrisleys may be what were called joint and several tort feasors, meaning they caused the loss, as well as Braddock. So mm-hmm. that that's not criminal liability. That would be a civil, civil. lawsuit. Okay, but still. And there'd be cross claims against everybody. And 
Gosh, that would be fees for a lot of lawyers. Think about that, Bruce. <laughs> I've seen cases where somebody is a victim like this and, and somebody else has stolen from them and they go back to their own accounts of like, you know, how did you not catch this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right. this there's professional negligence because th- you should have caught this. You know, I could see the banks perhaps going to their own auditors um, and, and if they use external people to help with their due diligence, you know, how did you let this fraudster pull it over on you? Um, because we're supposed to be better than this and, and, and you have a duty to us. So I could see the victims looking to third parties to try to recover something there and, and very well may have solid cases. And we take the Ponzi scheme king, uh, Madoff, believe it or not, that the lawyer who was assigned by, I guess, the federal bankruptcy court or perhaps the federal court to recover Madoff stolen money, recovered a lot of it, maybe really? 75 or 80%. And exactly what Bruce is going at. So what happened with, and quickly with Madoff, Madoff had his network through the Jewish community in both New York and Florida and it expanded. And what I mean by that is, you know, he, he was a, gave donations to the synagogues and charitable mm-hmm. organizations within the Jewish community, wealthy Jewish. And now they weren't his only victims. So, you know, lawyers referred good clients to Madoff. Accountants reserved, hey, you can get a tax deduction. Hey, And so those intermediary players that did the introductions or didn't do their due diligence in recommending Madoff's scheme to their clients or friends, many of those people had to cough up. Big banks had to cough up. I think Citibank paid a lot of money on behalf of the owners of the Mets, the Wilpons. Yeah, Am I right? They, they took their best customers right. and placed them in the With best Madoff. possible investment. Here, this guy's paying you know 50% a year, whatever it was that he was promising. And why wouldn't the Wilpons trust their bankers, their multi-billion dollar bankers that they've got relationships with. Hey, it seems like it's been vetted, right? Didn't you guys mm-hmm. vet this guy Madoff? Right. Who's, who's like up in a room with a Xerox machine making false monthly yeah. reports right. about Good. profits. Yeah. In, in that particular case, it was great because you could see uh, the, the Mets ownership's lack of money uh, being reflected in the t- complete lack of quality of the players on the field in those days. You know, now they've got a very well-funded yeah. Yeah. They're looking yeah. good. Uh, he's got, yeah, they're looking they very call strong. real money. Yeah. <laughs> they, they've got real money, uh, and they're putting it into the team. This guy wants to win and is willing to spend the money, but they, they certainly uh, hear us knocking on the door. And is this the last year that – is it uh, – Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla yeah. gets his, gets his I don't million think, I think he's coming up July 1st now, is Bobby he, Bonilla you know, day. You know who I, whose investment council I want is Bobby Bonilla. No. 25 <laughs> years ago, yeah. he structured a 25-year, million-dollar-a-year uh, payout yeah. for a guy who was not not a bad player no, in his he's day. He was very good. He was very good, good player. Time. Yeah. yeah, but goodness gracious. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. But well, Let's keep it on sports and transition here to Deshaun Watson because – uh, this past week, he reiterated that he was innocent of numerous allegations of inappropriate sexual conduct during massage sessions and 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 many other situations that he found himself in. Um, in the past 15 days, there's been two more civil lawsuits filed against Deshaun Watson. Uh, Watson bringing that number of active lawsuits against him, alleging inappropriate sexual conduct during massage sessions to 24. This guy uh, was looked like he was going to end up with the Cleveland Browns. Now that looks like it's uh, probably not going to happen. Well, you know, I think there's some real interesting things about to happen here. So, first of all, I, my understanding is, yes, while well, Tuggy pointed out there's been two more claimants who filed civil lawsuits, not criminal, but civil mm-hmm. lawsuits, that there are many more, up to a, a total of 60-something, mm-hmm. that are coming out of the quote-unquote woodwork. Yeah. So, issue number one. 
Uh, I am the uh, representative of the Cleveland Browns. I'm negotiating with Mr. Watson's agent and his legal team. And we look across the table and say, okay, now, before we give you a quarter of a million dollars to play football for us, can you assure us that there are no more claims? Oh, absolutely, positively, we've got this thing buttoned up. That's the extent of the iceberg. There's nothing under the water, Captain of the Titanic, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing to hit here. (laughs) Well, you know what? We signed that contract. Based on your assurances, now maybe we didn't do our due diligence, or the league, which I still can't understand how the NFL is letting this go by. So that's problem number one. Number two is, just because the district attorney in the city of Houston decided not to present those original claims to the grand jury, that doesn't mean they can't reconsider that based upon new cases or potentially new evidence, or that some of these claimants are in other jurisdictions where a district attorney may say, Young lady, I'm taking your claim to the grand jury. We're going to put Mr. Watson on trial. Yeah, because if he's uh, addicted to massage the way he seems to be, I mean, that's that's a lot of massages from a lot of different people under any scenario. But um, if he is addicted, then perhaps he's getting them on the road when they're traveling into other states and there there may be more uh, other jurisdictions involved. But but I know Ray has pointed out, you know, he's not charged with a crime. Mm -hmm. As we sit here today, there's no criminal charges against him. And so, you know, whatever the NFL does, the Players Association had had given uh, absolute power to Roger Goodell to be um, judge and jury and hangman. And and so whatever discipline they come up with, if any, we should be hearing about it pretty soon, Before, certainly with time before the season starts. And, you know, we're sort of imagining what those negotiations were like with Cleveland. But, you know, what would they have been like with Atlanta? Let's not forget. We yeah, ran, we ran Matt Ryan out of town there was because Arthur Blank had this uh, fantasy that wouldn't it be great to get to Sean Watson now that all this stuff is behind him. Um, you know, these owners... They're billionaire geniuses. They they did what something they to do make them originally, money. but but right. you know that doesn't make them geniuses at running football teams. And That's they right. get so enamored and in love with ideas that they can look past all this stuff. And so, um, yeah, maybe it was Deshaun said, I, "There's nothing else. I promise you, everything's out in the open." Maybe they never even really had that discussion. One thing that I found interesting, you know, Deshaun Watson has, has a unique contract in that it's $200 million long-term contract guaranteed money, which in the NFL just doesn't happen. Not like that. Um, but the structure is that year one of his contract only pays him $1 million. And, and And then he starts the money starts kicking in after year one, anticipating, I'm sure, that there's going to be some discipline. A suspension. He's, he's going to be suspended for at least some mm-hmm. portion mm-hmm. of the season, if not the entire season. Mm-hmm. So let's... Um, have the most minimal impact financially from being suspended and missing those games. And Cleveland went along with it and said, sure, that's, that's fine. We'll structure right. it any way and, you and want. And the rest of the money is sequestered until he can start playing. Yeah. yeah. Now, if, if they can come up, if Cleveland wants to void the contract and if they come up with some basis to say that you deceived us, you lied to us, the, the underlying foundation for us entering that contract was based on you defrauding us in some capacity, um, then we might see a situation where, yeah, he never place for Cleveland or anybody, but I just don't see that happening unless this becomes all of these counts become criminal again and, and suddenly it becomes a much different situation than was it consensual, was it coerced, and is it just one person's word against another, even though if that one person's word against another is repeated 24 times and maybe 66 times. You know, I think the one thing that we've all seen uh, over the last few years as sort of the Me Too movement, I'm going to use that in in a big picture, is uh, what happens, and and we've seen this pattern, is that there's one or two initial claims against, you know, whomever, the powerful 
TV executive or the athlete or the Italian cook, you know, that owns 50 restaurants. Or the co-star of I Spy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which was a great show, by the way. <laughs> Robert Culp. Man, you talk about those cats are hip, baby. Yes. All right, but what happens is it's it really does snowball. And so we start with a few, and then we get up to 22, and then we now we're up to 24 with litigation, and they start taking depositions, and maybe some of these claimants know each other or know of each other or something comes out in their discovery in their internet social media feed that leads to more claims being made so as we sit here today uh do would i bet money that there's going to be no additional claims or nothing that's kind of shocking i would not bet money on that and then cleveland's just got to decide what they want to do yeah so is there a reason in your mind that you could you could make from a legal point of view that this is only civil and not criminal because i mean when well when... Uh, yeah yeah i can as, as a, a long ago baby prosecutor okay so uh Ma- madam x we'll just call her madam x 27 year old young lady with a sports therapy degree and uh, you know maybe maybe not a massage license uh so what happened next well he contacted me on my instagram account and what happened he offered me 800 dollars to go to his hotel at midnight to give him a massage i mean it it, the stories aren't great stories. Mm-hmm. Are you a professional masseuse? No, I'm not. You know, they're yeah. not. Yeah, a lot of gray I, I'm not. I, yeah, it's, it, they're not potentially, and I don't know because we don't know who all these folks are, but there may be witness problems. I mean, you got to live as a prosecutor. You've got sometimes you have to put up total, totally different bracket, but you have to put up gang members to convict gang members. Right, so, and they may have so credibility to, is an yeah, issue. Yeah, absolutely. And you may have to have a prosecutor says, okay, I'm going to put up some folks that maybe were on borderline of their own behavior. Hey, by the way, did you declare this as your, on your income tax? You know, mm. did you get cash? Was it a handbag or an $800 pair of shoes with red soles? I mean, none of this is going to be is it's all unsavory, right? And and I don't know any of these individuals, so I'm not accusing them. No, of course, but that but- may have been part of the conversation. Is you know. We kind of know what went on, but not the best case, not the best witnesses yeah. in the world. Yeah, and that factors into the major difference between criminal and civil cases being the burden of proof. And so when you've got credibility issues and your burden of proof in a criminal case is to prove every single fact beyond a reasonable doubt, that means that you've got, if, if you take a scale of 0% proof at one end of the spectrum and 100% proof at the other end of the spectrum, you've got to be pretty darn close to that 100% proof to to be beyond any reasonable doubt. There can still be some doubt, but you know, you got to you've got to have a rock solid proof and you it's hard to do that when you're relying on witnesses who have credibility problems if that's the case or you're just or the evidence is scant even if it's one person's word against another, right? In a civil case, the burden is what we call a preponderance of the evidence. And what that means is that it's more likely than not. So again, taking that scale from 0% to 100% proof, and you put that 50% mark right in the middle, as long as you can just get a tiny bit past that 50%, you've met your burden of proof. There can be all kinds of doubt, all kinds of credibility issues, but as long as you're more than 50%, then you've proven everything you have to prove there. And so this is why you see situations where somebody is not guilty in the criminal charges brought against them. I'll give you a very famous one. OJ, uh, right? OJ Simpson, not, gonna, yeah. not guilty uh, in, in the criminal case. And then in the civil case for wrongful death brought involving the exact same facts, he's found guilty of causing the wrongful death of uh, Nicole Brown Simpson. And um, not Cato uh, Kalen, Ron, 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 Ron Goldman, 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 yeah, you know, yeah. and and so it's it's the same facts, 
and he's guilty on the civil case. Um, he's not guilty in the criminal case. And one quick pragmatic reason, city of Houston, fourth biggest city in America, got all kinds of serious crime, just like we've got here in Atlanta. Somewhere in the DA's office, somebody said, you know what? This is going to tie up a courtroom for a month. We've got 12 murders, 44 child assaulters. You know, we're just not going to mess with this. Let them mm-hmm. sue each other. He'll, you know, and that, that doesn't make it right. But there are limited resources in the courthouse. And again, we talked about the Depp trial. And I can just imagine lawyers who practice in that courtroom in Virginia, I believe, on a day-to-day basis saying, oh, come on, man, I got stuff to do here. Yeah. But the Fulton <laughs> County District Attorney just said that she's got a 10-year backlog of right. cases, uh, you know, which between the investigation into um Which she has election, found time, though, to investigate. Uh, and the gang prosecution right. that's going on right now with Young Thug and YSL, you know, that their resources are being tapped, and she's trying to get the state and the county to, to give them money uh, and give them the resources they need to be able to prosecute everything they need to prosecute. And I could be wrong, but I believe the Fulton County District Attorney's Office has at least 80 or 80-plus 80 assistant district attorneys. So it is, and I could be off by a little bit, yeah, sure. but it's 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 a, it's big, a big operation yeah. Yeah. that uh, that Fawnie Willis runs as the elected uh, district attorney of Fulton County. So it's not like they don't have any resources, but you got 20 Superior Court judges running full jury calendars day after day after day with trials and motions and divorces and murders and our system sometimes says yeah we'd love to get to that to the deshaun watson you know cases but right now we just can't get there when we come back on your day in court with bruce hagan and ray judice we're going to talk about uh crypto and influencers what happens if they influence you to buy crypto and then the bottom falls out of the economy or, or the or the market and that seems to be kind of what's happening right now a, uh, a story for today that uh, could be affecting you directly next on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacy's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. We've all seen the social media influencers on any of the social media platforms that you use. Crypto.com launched a latest brand starring NBA all-star Joel Embiid. They've also used 
Matt Damon before. And they have these these ads on social media that encourages you to go buy crypto. Well, crypto at this point, where we are with the market, is uh, really, really in bad shape. Look, and, and you brought it up earlier. Elon Musk, he, he pushed, was it Dogecoin, right? Yeah. And that one is, is falling off. What? What responsibility do influencers have when they're intelligent when they're telling someone to go buy something and then and then the the investment's not good? Yeah, I think we're getting into kind of a brave new world here. I mean, uh, uh, when uh, Joe DiMaggio was uh, selling the Mister Coffee Pot, Hit the coffee. Uh, you know, he he hmm. sold you a coffee pot, and you know maybe you got a lousy cup of coffee, and that's the worst that could happen. But here we've got people uh, who are investing their pensions or their life savings or maybe going on margin, which is the worst way. Don't ever do that. Uh, to buy what is clearly speculative. I mean, this crypto thing, I don't quite understand it, so I'll defer to those who do. Uh, and I get that blockchain technology is going to be something that is going to be helpful and is helpful, especially in you know the communication and the movement of product. But uh, a, a f- currency that has nothing to back it other than the fact that somebody else will pay you a penny more than you paid for it. I mean, that's called the tulips going back to the Dutch tulip fraud of what, 1650, you know, Mm. where, where you can look it up uh, or any other Ponzi scheme uh, or other, what they call a a useless currency. So I think it's a problem now. So now we've got these famous people uh, through this, uh, what is it called? Crypto.com. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's the, what is it? Fortune favors the bold. Sure, oh, sure, and, you know, sure. And there's yeah. a, a brave new world. Yeah, I think that's right. one of the slugs. David Bourne working past a model of Christopher <laughs> Columbus and Neil Armstrong and, you know, giving you the feeling that, hey, come on, get, but, get but in okay, this with so, me. So that's a little bit different, I think, because what Matt Damon was promoting there is a clearinghouse where you can do your own trading. It wasn't. It wasn't a specific currency. It. it it's like um, there's a thing called Coinbase that people use for this. It, it would be like um, somebody. Uh, you know, my brokers, you have Hutton. It's a platform. Hutton says. So, it's so, a platform. So, gotcha. he's, so he's promoting that business, and then you go on there and you can invest in your various cryptocurrencies as you, as you choose. Right. I, I think that's a little different. You know, here you're promoting a specific currency right a like specific for the example brand with of elon musk with like these the example of musk who, who was pumping up dogecoin at one point like you could only pay for tesla with dogecoin you could um and, and he was really trying trying to build this up well there's a parallel area of law dealing with securities and and the promoter uh there's promoter liability for somebody who's like pumping up a stock right and and you can especially if you're doing this um, it's, it's very easy to violate securities laws, um, knowingly or unknowingly, but you can have responsibility here if you do something to induce somebody else to, to make a purchase and then that purchase goes bad, you're on the hook for, for your promoter liability. And I think there's li- likely to be something very similar here when you know the, the commodity that, that's here is this cryptocurrency. You know, If you think of it as being no different than pork bellies or orange juice futures or whatever else uh, they trade in trading places. Um, you know, if you're artificially pumping up a market um, and that, and profiting from it, and then that market tanks, um, do you have responsibility there? Absolutely. I think especially if your uh, remuneration for the assistance and the promotion is an ownership of the company or of the stock so that you have a direct financial benefit from inducing others as opposed to, 
hey, I've learned about this and let me introduce you to it or let me introduce, you know, where you're more or less passing the baton. But if you're passing a baton and you're going to benefit from the from the passing and getting the slice of the action, I think the further you're involved in that, the more responsibility and liability you're going to have. And I think that uh, these guys are working a certain demographic. Uh, you can see these commercials on the financial shows, whether it's CNBC or Bloomberg. I don't think they have any liability for not vetting these commercials because, you know, Lord knows, uh, Robin Hood advertised yeah, and right. Workplace advertised mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, dog.com back in the 90s.com. So I don't think that's going to be a problem for, for the media outlets. But I do think the individuals, and you know what, even if there's just a, t uh, a scarring of their individual reputations, uh, you know, if you support a loser, <laughs> it's yeah. just not a good thing for you, uh, especially when people took your word for it or acted upon your your validation and lost their hard-earned money. Yeah, I had a friend who um, he his business as a lawyer was defending stockbrokers and brokerage houses and that sort of thing. And whenever the market went south, his business went north because as soon as people start losing money, they look to blame somebody and they end up suing their brokers. They sue the brokerages. And um, they're, they're, like I said, the securities law is very well fleshed out on what you can and can't do in the promotion uh, of a company's stock uh, or any asset. And so um, if anybody here has invested, you know that you sign a boatload of disclosures every time you sign and say, why am I having to sign 100 things just to go ahead and conduct a transaction? Well, everybody's covering their tails um, so that you seemingly are making a knowing decision when you make this purchase, as opposed to you told me this was going to make money. I relied on what you said and you lied to me. And it goes back to your initial application with that brokerage. What type, what level of risk do you want to take? Low, mm -hmm. moderate, mm -hmm. high? How experienced an investor do you consider yourself to be? Because yeah. there's what's called a, a knowledgeable investor who is not really, doesn't have a, a great claim when you make a mistake versus a novice investor. So there's the insurance, when I say insurance, the brokerages and the investment houses, they're already protecting themselves from day one in case these claims come up. And of course, you're forced to go to arbitration. Yeah, by well, the way. I was saying, you to take it back full trial. circle yeah. to when yeah. we right, talked right. about the arbitration with Geico earlier. There's arbitration clauses in all of these so that you can't get a jury trial. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're stuck with you know, industry professionals being the ones to make a determination on whether or not you have a valid claim. If you ever need help when you're in a legal situation, let me recommend Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice, and I want you to know how to get a hold of them. Bruce, quickly, how do they get a hold of My you? cell number is 404-202-2233. Call me anytime uh, for whatever your legal needs might be. Um, you can also check out my website, Hagen dash law.com that's h-a-g-e-n and you can email me bruce at hagen dash law.com happy to answer your questions one thing we offer folks is let me take a look at your insurance policy for your car i'll tell you if you've got good coverage or not what where you can improve it i'll let you know if you have std coverage uh, <laughs> uh which is unlikely at this point but um seriously do that just let let us audit your policy for you because once you've been in a wreck, it's too late to make any changes at that point. Yeah, the policy goes forward with what you signed in that day, not what you mm -hmm. thought you had. 404-964-4185, that is my cell number. Ray at RayGLaw.com is my webpage. We're here in Roswell, but uh, work almost the entire state. You know, got cases all over the place. Doing a little bit less of that now as I get a little little older, it's harder to sit in the car. And uh, as Bruce, Bruce indicated earlier, we, we're getting there. We both got a little gray in our muzzle. And this is the uh, second week of my 38th year in the practice of law 
And uh, I want to get to at least 40, right? 40 is enough of anything, don't That's you think, Chris? That's a good number. Yeah. So maybe a great marriage. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. I'll throw that out there. There you go. I love it. If you need your help, if you need help, these are the gentlemen to call. The numbers, the websites, get there quickly and get expert legal advice. That's the best way to make sure you're in the best hands in the best situation moving forward. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. Make it a great weekend. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.